0: Welcome to Coffee, Eggs and Inspiration. It's a weekly show that goes out over YouTube and as a podcast over all of the major channels. And each week I get to sit with an inspiring person and listen to them tell their story and share it with all of you. This week is no different. I'm joined by Ben Dyer. Welcome, Ben. Thank you. I'll give Ben uh, the customary introduction. Uh, Ben's the co-founder and uh, uh, co-founder with Michael, your cousin, yep. uh, of the UK's largest enterprise competition called the National Enterprise Challenge, uh, largest secondary school challenge of its uh, of its kind, where kids are invited to um, uh, to come up with ideas around real life business challenges. Uh, over two hundred thousand students involved uh, in the UK uh, in these challenges. Uh, ben grew up in uh, Stoke-on-Trent um, in a pretty tough uh, environment, which we'll talk about, um, and had an interesting experience at school, um, <laughs> which I, I guess you've been uh, you, you know, learning from and contributing back into ever since in your work in education. Two businesses by the time he was 21, uh, and those businesses, or at least one of them, um, failed and went into bankruptcy. Uh, in 2011, which is always a great experience, uh, honestly, for an entrepreneur to, to come through that and, uh, and understand the trials and tribulations of starting a business. Uh, emerge like a phoenix from the ashes, uh, 2013 launched the National Enterprise Challenge convincing initially Lord Alan Sugar to come on board and subsequently Theo Perfitis and, and now in the third incarnation of that, uh, of that sponsorship, which we'll talk about. In 2016, Ben was um, awarded the NatWest Social Entrepreneur of the Year, along with, I guess, Michael, Michael Roe, yeah. your, your co founder. Correct. And more recently, uh, Young Business uh, Person of the Year. So, a uh, lot of accolades and a very interesting beginning, which is where I'd like to start, actually. You were, a, you grew up in, in Stoke? Yeah, um, grew up in Stoke on Trent, oh. Council State's upbringing. Um, Dad was, um, mm.
1: I, uh, I remember, the first memory of school. Um, going, um, everybody was in the classroom and they were talking about what your mum and dad did as a job. So I am sat there and I was really proud to, to put my hand up. And I put my hand up and I said, My dad's a football hooligan. So uh, yeah, it's quite an interesting uh, start to life. Um, very well loved, you know, not, not going to knock that at all. Uh, mum and dad did a great job. Um, Subsequently, split up with me. Uh, my dad and my mum split up, moved to another council estate. And being kind of the, the son of a football hooligan, a lot of people expect you to go down that path.
0: What does it mean to be a football hooligan? Maybe some people watching from the US or yeah. other countries.
1: So, 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 basically, it was it was rife in the in the eighties, especially, um, and yeah, it was a, it was it was a culture of a, almost a gang culture um, centered around football, um, yeah. and you know it was it was quite a, a big big deal, especially back then, um, and, and my dad was heavily involved with it. Um, and you know a lot of people were you know you, you meet a lot of people down the line that were involved and, and have come out the other side as as my dad you know so it's uh, it's something that you, you learn to kind of accept almost as you as you grow up because it was just part of the yeah. you know, the culture not not condoning this but you can understand yeah rather than accept
0: so you were expected somehow to follow uh, or, or or tainted in, yeah. in some way with yeah. that impression
1: I think that's fair to say you know although my dad was was always discouraged so that you know. From a positive point of view, there, yeah. but yeah. So it was, uh, it was an, an interesting when we when we grew up growing up, and then um, I moved to a place called Mia in Stoke-on-Trent, and with uh, my brother, and me, and my sister, um, and my mum, and and then yeah. So so yeah, things were you know, times were hard. It wasn't it wasn't an easy um, upbringing in terms of being reliant on benefits. But me, you know, my mum did a good job and. We, we we learned to uh, to get by and uh, yeah so uh, and did relatively well at school got nine GCSEs so you know it wasn't bad in terms of that the school was great um, and then moved on to college with with Mike
0: right and um, Stoke-on-Trent uh, just uh, Trent just paint the st- uh, paint the picture there a little for those uh, less familiar uh, Stoke-on-Trent is famous for the pottery industry yeah um, an industry
1: that's definitely coming back now mm-hmm. um, thanks to some really good companies but but it, but an industry that was when I was growing up that had lost its way um, and the same with the the, the the mines as well all the pits which were, were um, shut and and the culpits yeah the culpits so so a lot of people who worked in them industries it was, it was a tough time yeah. um so we were kind of the, the, I was kind of born just after you know in and around that time so you saw a lot of people that were, were you'd have to say depressed, down, downbeat about the city. And it's taken the city a long time to recover, to be honest with you. It's, uh, but, but you. But know, I'm glad to say that he, he says definitely on the way
0: up. Uh, famous uh, somewhat also for uh, for being the home of Robbie Williams, who, who's, uh, who still goes back. And yeah, he's just announced a charity
1: concert, so uh, it's good to see him go back to his roots. He was, he was at Port Vale yesterday, uh, I saw on social media. So, yeah, it's uh, everybody always says, i have have Robbie Williams. But I like to prefer, because I'm a Stoke fan, um, to say Stanley Matthews. it was okay. the first, first uh,
0: footballer to receive a knighthood, so I always always refer back to uh, Stanley Matthews. Right. Well, uh, shout out to Stanley and, uh, and shout out to Robbie as well. Let's give them both credit. And um, I believe you are dyslexic, is that right? Yeah, how, how did you find that? What, what was that experience? Um, the January before
1: me exams, and when I was 16, um, I was finding it really tough to, to, to write quick. Always struggled with writing. Yeah. Um, but didn't realise that you know about so this yeah, right, yeah, I was 16 right. when yeah, so it was, uh, and we did did the test before the GCSEs, and it was found out that I was dyslexic, uh, so I got some extra time, and, and, and that was probably the reason I'd ended up doing it. Okay, yeah, um, but yeah, it was it was tough, but it was just one of them things. You just got on my bad I just thought maybe I'm just a slow writer or I, you know, struggle reading quick. Yeah, um, but then yeah, to find out that at 16 was was difficult, and it's one of them things that I think. Because it was diagnosed later, it's probably helped me in a way because I found mechanisms to cope. Right. Rather than using it as a kind of an excuse, I just got on with things. Sort of. So it's the same now, way yeah. Way. So organically now, if I am having a bad day with reading, I mean, and it's the little things. If anybody's that's dyslexic, might, might say it's now again looking at a word and thinking that doesn't be right. And it might be something as simple as but, or and or you know yeah. um, But then it'll kind of go for a bit, and then it'll then you'll look at a word again, and you go, Ooh, I can't really understand that word and right. it's a, it's strange to people that don't you know don't understand it and a lot of people are skeptical about it but it's it's just looking it's really just you know different different, different things it's tough um, but but again you just get by, them. and you know it does help having things like Grammarly on your emails and, and stuff right like that. yeah but it's the acceptance of it as well yeah letting people understand you know that you know, again, it's okay your it's emails a, it's a thing. aren't gonna be
0: perfect you know, know but yeah. It's just one of those things you get by. Well it's obviously not held you back um, in the least. and at 16 you were pretty much the, the man of the house. You were, you were living with a single mum. Yeah. Um, how was that? Uh, again it was tough because you, you, you know
1: I've always been a, you know, quite a close family guy and um, my sister and brother you know, you know you want to look after them. Um, but, but you know, you just again you just get you get by, but there was always that drive for me to, yeah. to want to do something a bit different and to get by and not just not just get by actually to to excel in something. I think that, that was the the driver for me was why can't we go on a nice holiday? Why can't we live in a nice house and that kind of that kind of driver and, and that was kind of what the start of my entrepreneurial journey was. It was if I wanted to go you know, the football match, for example, I needed to to, you know, find a way of doing that. So I used to get a job selling half time draw tickets. Yeah. But not only did you have to sell the tickets, you had to sell twenty five tickets to get into the match, which was really right. unfair. <laughs> so you had to sell twenty five tickets. So we had to be entrepreneurial. I had to be entrepreneurial just to
0: go watch the football. So the so the, so the hustle started yeah. pretty early, and this led yeah. you into your first two businesses, right? Yeah. So so and then when, when I ended college, um, it was
1: kind of a choice. What what do I do? And I, I didn't want to go to university at the time, so I had a couple of sales jobs. One in recruitment, um, and one working for Stoke uh, Football Club in sales, and then. When that kind of, the, the stove job didn't work out for me, um decided to go to, um, back to university because I heard an first on the radio. Yeah. And Staff University were doing like a pioneering course, like a business startup up degree. Right. Um, so I rang Mike, who wasn't having a great time at his university at the time, which I won't name. Um, but he was having a great time, I said, Look, shall we do this course? And and then, you know, they say the rest is history. And so
0: you did the course together yeah. and then uh, started the business? So we got a space one, one day a week
1: yeah. um, in a, a shared office, but yeah. we were the only ones really that used it. Yeah. So we, we could go into the office uh, the office most days, and then the, the degree was on a Wednesday. And because it was competitive in nature in terms of you to have to report every week what you'd been doing. Yeah, we wanted to be the best, so we, we set up. That was when we had the idea. Really, as, as much as ten years ago was the found you know kind of the founding the founding ideas behind what we do now. Yeah. But it was wasn't until um, much later that we, we we had the national enterprise challenge launch but, but the actual founding ideas of it and the enterprise kind of programs haven't really changed that much from when we were on the foundation degree
0: so the the two businesses that you had one was an education business the other one was a pub yeah
1: it was uh, my
0: idea um, so I can take the blame for the pub the pub that failed it was a pub that failed, it? It
1: pub that failed. Um, we we just didn't and we were just too young um, I, yeah, as much as easy as and simple as that really we were too young we were a bit naive we, we thought that we had a great group of friends that could use the pub um, yeah. on a weekly basis we were quite young but we took it from two or three grand a week to eight grand a week um, but the deal that the, the brewery had you on and structured on um, meant that you didn't make any more money it's very tight yeah. it was very tight and then the problem was that once we got busy and the police would insist on bouncers and endorse staff half yeah. and stuff like that so it just ended up that we, we just we were losing money a lot more money than we thought.
0: So, you know, at Google we talk about our glorious failures and, and the things that we we learn uh, from those failures. What did you learn from yours? Um,
1: to keep a closer eye on things, um, not to be um, complacent, I would say, um, and, 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 and you know, keep, keep going and pushing things. I think the, the biggest thing for me though is that don't, don't dwell on being too down in the dumps about things. And, and, you know, we, we've been bankrupt. And we do you know now we're in 450 schools so but it doesn't feel any difference yeah you've just got to keep going so if, so if you yeah, have you so perspective in, in terms of if you are in a dark place or your things don't go wrong you can can come out of it it isn't a, it isn't you know, the beal and end all, and, and actually it'll go away the problems will eventually yeah go away for you
0: light at the end of the tunnel so tell me about what led you from that sort of dark place uh, so to speak into the Light at the end of the tunnel, and uh, into into Lord Alan Sugar's office. So we went to
1: um, back to Staff Uni to finish our degrees, um,
0: and it was
1: whilst we were there, we were in the coffee shop at the at the university, and two gentlemen were saying that young people didn't have the skills for the world of work, and it was as simple as that. Um, we were like, well, we've actually been into some schools, we um, you know that's not just the case, and uh, we we said, what could we do um, to kind of combat this issue? Yeah, and. That was when we came up with the idea. We we brainstormed and we said we needed somebody to front the business. Yeah. Um, we needed somebody to like Lord Sugar. The education business. Yeah, the education business. Who could be our front man? Yeah. Could we do a national competition? Right. And could we call it the National Enterprise Challenge? Yeah. That's when it was born out of that, that conversation. Yeah. Um, not ashamed to say we didn't go back to lectures. We we kind of took that idea and I remember going back thinking, I need to tell somebody about this idea. So I thought the person I could go back to was my granddad. I thought he he'll say it's a good idea. I remember going back and he said, Look, Ben bankrupt there's plenty of jobs at Vodafone and that's exactly what he said to me he said why don't you go work in the call center and, and you know and get a bit of stability and i said no I'm, honestly grandad i'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you we can we can make this work and uh, so it was kind of him really that, that i thought he would, he would have said you know this is a great idea and agreed with me but it was his kind of tough love i suppose that, yeah. that made me think you know what, we can do this and uh, and then yeah, fast forward, we, we tried to get an ambassador, and uh, and Lord Sugar said he would he would he would take it on for, um, we had to make a donation to his charity, well, that was fine, and uh, yeah, that's but how, but how did you get uh, in touch with him? Right, uh, yeah. Well, we put a... the we put the feelers out for a lot of people. We we you know, we tried uh, all the dragons, we tried a, a few others, and it, the through, dragons, yeah, is yeah. in is in fear. We tried Peter Jones, we, we tried a few of the dragons, and then it was through a contact, Claire Young, who was um, who, who we knew from organisation called School Speakers and she was on The Apprentice and we got in touch with Claire, told her our idea and uh, she had put us in touch with Chuck's uh, PR people and uh, to our amazement in the September of 2012 he agreed to do it. He took the he took the meeting yeah can you remember the meeting? Yeah well initially it was with his PR people then he agreed to do it um, but by the time he got it sorted to, to give you kind of the scale of it it was the, it was the December and then there's Christmas. So it was about this time in 2012 so you've got to think we've got no challenge. We've got no, um, we've got no schools signed up. We've got no office. We've got no team. So we're getting into Christmas, and we we're going to film with him in the January for the challenge. But, but we knew to put the finals on in London, we need at least fifty schools, yeah. and we'd only ever delivered into about twenty right. in one year. So we had six months, yeah. and we'd never actually been to London other than watch Stoke City play. Right. <laughs> so so we said we committed to this London finals. Um, but yeah, we ended up we we got fifty. Eight schools in the first year, I think it was. Um, Eleven thousand people. We went to his offices to film him. Uh, you know, he, he was great. Um, the video was really good and inspired the students. Like that, yeah. yeah, it was like The Apprentice. You know, very much t- setting the scene. Yeah. And then uh, yeah, we, we had the first finals at the Troxy, and it but, it but it wasn't until the finals that the long term plan came because I think the first year was about proving it to yeah, prove the concepts sort of thing. Yeah. But also proving that we could we could achieve something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then a school came up to us and said, our teacher said, Oh, great, what's next year? And we just said, Oh, it's going to be bigger and better. And that was kind of what we said. And, and you went
0: from there. Um, here's a fun fact I've actually met uh, Lord Sugar. Okay. I met him in 1983. Oh, wow. I'm showing my name, uh, age here. Uh, I was on a business trip with my father, who uh, was in toys, and we went uh, on a buying trip. He was buying stock. And at that time, Alan was um, the pioneer, I guess, of personal computing. He had Amstrad. Yeah, yeah. And I remember sitting in this office, um, you know, talking to this. I was like uh, 13 years old at the time, uh, talking to this gruff guy, and he was absolutely friendly and welcoming, and he remains so today, you know, a great ambassador for business and entrepreneurship in the UK. Oh, definitely. I think the thing is with Lord Sugar, he's not the,
1: the server about him, but, you know, he's. Uh, he, he, he's been there, done that, and got the t shirt anti many times. So it's, uh, and, and he is always championing business. And I think what he's done with The Apprentice in the UK has yeah. really brought business to, you know, inspire yeah, people to, to
0: want yeah. to, to have their own business and, and to be successful. So. And, and taught acumen as well. So big shout out to Lord Sugar, thank you. <laughs> um, and, and then uh, that relationship lasted for some uh, time, it most of the year, yeah. Yep. And um, after that, after that what, what we wanted to do, we
1: listened to feedback from teachers. And we wanted, the teacher said to us, look, it'd be great if we could move it to a real-life business challenge model. Yeah, yeah. So could we get companies? And that was when we decided to approach Ryman and Theo um, because Ryman obviously had a natural link to young people with the stationery. And yeah, we, we approached the multi-director Ryman uh, who in the, in previously had said no, the year before. Yeah. And it was a better sales pitch though because we could now go, well, look, we've had 50 schools. We had Lord Sugar as our ambassador. But right. We were on Theo now and... Luckily, she we give them kind of seven days to decide, and uh, which was, was was so bold at the time. And then after about six days, the the UK managing director at the time gave me a ring and said and he was kind of laughing, saying, "No, oh, I can't believe you give the marketing director seven days. It's brilliant." I said, "What, what do you mean?" He said, "Well, nobody ever says anything to her, so it's, it's quite <laughs> it's quite funny that you give her a deadline."
0: Yeah. Um, we, we like the idea. Do you want to come and meet in London? Um, and no, no. Uh, yeah, it went from there, and it's it's been a successful six years really. And for those who don't know Theo Paphitis, he's uh, he's one of the biggest um, you know entrepreneurial names in the country. He's on Dragons Den, or, or was for a period Ryman Station is, yeah. is, is his business. Uh, great guy. Yeah, uh, lovely guy guy. Uh, you know, and, and to be fair, he's been a big part of the challenge, growing to the
1: level it yeah. is now. And, you know, every year at the finals, he's been he's been really welcoming, and the students. You know, even even now, I know he's been off Dragons Den for a while. He came back on this year, but. The students, you know, instantly recognise him as, as you know as an entrepreneur, and the, you know some of the answers he's given on the Q and A, and just again really just a all, all round really good guy. It's
0: be honest. Thank you, Theo. Yeah. That's, out to Theo. Uh, and uh, you're now in your third incarnation. You've got a new uh, new sponsor. Yeah. So we've got uh, Nick Jenkins
1: is, uh, from Moonpeg has agreed yes. to become the yeah the, uh, the ambassador this year. Yeah. Um, so we're looking forward to to him being on board. Um, again, it's, uh, it's an interesting one, Moonpake's such a great story, yeah. um, and the fact that he's now our ambassador, and we're, we're looking forward to meeting him. Um, and we've got two great challenge partners this year, we've got Grenade, the health brand, and Air Products, and both challenges have, have taken, really, the,
0: the competition to a new level. So, unpack this for us, um, for those not familiar with yeah, the competition, yeah, what, what's the basic setup? So we've got two challenges, one for Key Stage 3, which is Year 7 and 8,
1: and one for Key Stage 4, Year 9 and 10. And basically we go in and deliver a day's worth of training in the school, up to 200 kids. Um, and they'll, they'll take part in the challenge, we, we facilitate it, and if, if you think of The Apprentice, that's what we take into the school. So they've got a, a, an Apprentice-style challenge, and then at the end of the day, the best 10 teams pitch.
0: And the challenge is a real-life business Real life business, yes. so, can you give an example? So, so
1: Grenade, for example, this year, they've set the challenge to come up with a new carb killer bar for them and Air Products have set a challenge around sustainability in the environment, so to come up with an alternative use for their bottles once they um, reach the end of life. So it's quite difficult challenges really. Um, it, it's all set by video, it's linked to the government's Gatsby benchmark, so it, it hits some of the, the, uh, the government requirements for the career strategy, so that's, that's really cool as well. But then the, what, what we love is, every and kind of sets us apart, every winning team from each school. Go to the national finals.
0: And the teams are what size? Six, There's six people. So six um, high school cho- uh, kids. Yeah, can't really call them children. <laughs> I've got two high schoolers yeah, as yeah. well. Uh, get together. They attack this challenge. It's yep. you know complex engineering, design, business, all this sort of. And then of that thing. ends with a pitch at the end. It the- ends with a pitch. Uh, i imagine you've seen some pretty professional pitches the uh, well years. fear
1: fear himself said actually some of the pitches that you see are better than the ones on the dance so Same you right. know so the, yeah, So effectively they finish the pitch on the day and then we have 200 you know upwards of 200 teams coming to the finals um and then the basically the pitch out is again at the finals in the morning that's kind of like x factor auditions kind of level and then in the afternoon it's a bit like Dragon's Den meets x Factor, so we have We had Perry and Jordan from Diversity in the last couple of years hosting. But then we hear from Theo or Nick as it'll be this year. And then the winners, the best 10 from each room, um, get on stage and pitch in front of everybody.
0: And the grand final winner? Yeah, so so we've had some great
1: examples. So so Theo has actually launched a number of the products um, of Ryman um, down the years. We've had the team at Alton Towers. When Alton Towers set the challenge a few years back, they've they've, they've gone away and and, and worked with the team on their roller coaster designs. Um, This year Grenada are committed to making the the, the winning, the bar a reality that the students come up with. So really the partners that we get commit to to the challenge and actually see.
0: So this is real life stuff. Have you you tracked some of the students who have been successful in the past in the competition, what happened afterwards? Yeah, we've had some
1: incredible examples. One that sticks to mind was quite quite a quiet girl in the first couple of years who went on to, to do well at the competition. Um, and she, recently, she has has gone to the RAF and, and mm. says that she wants to have the confidence to do that. She's wow. not too part of the, the competition, so that you know, so
0: really a platform, a large platform, in and, RAF, and that's, yeah.
1: And that, that's only now we're six years in. It's only going to get more and more that we hear stories like this because the students are then now yeah. you know, going on their own paths. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it's you know it's fantastic to see. But for, from our point of view, it just gives
0: young people no matter what background they're from a platform to, to succeed. Yeah, so if they have got a good idea and some talent, they can, uh, they can show what they're um, Yeah, it, it, of. and it's unique, really, in the terms of
1: we, we, we ask for mixed ability groups. Yeah. So we can. What get, does that mean? So so we, what we say to this, um, the schools is, can they be a mixed ability? So that when when we go and deliver the day, the students that are high ability don't join Right. And for me, that would be, not, you know, it wouldn't be right on the students that because yeah. they just say, "Well, we expected them to win," <coughs> so we put them into mixed ability groups and mixed gender. So, so quite often, they're working with students they don't see very good effort, balance. Good balance, but but also from an educational viewpoint, at, the, at our finals, there'll be students who academically might not be doing very well. Right, pitching on stage. Yeah. So from a that, and for me, that's quite unique to, to see students like that. excelling.
0: Yeah. I want to pick up on something you just said. So academically not doing so well, which sort of. Raises some questions for me, anyway, in relation to what education is today and how well it prepares uh, children for the work of tomorrow. What's your view on that?
1: I think it, it's a tough one um, because the, the people doing the teaching aren't leading the policy, are they? So, so really, they you know they can't do make that change. So they they are only dictated to really to what they've got to achieve. So so. I hear the term a lot, exam factories, but really that's kind of what, what it's become, and yeah. especially in secondary. I think there's a lot of good work in primary, and, and in secondary, the teachers, are, you know, the teachers do the best, you know, with, with what resource they've got. But in, in truth, what, what, you know, and I, was, I was told you I was at an event yesterday with an organisation called Fairly. who are looking into this. It needs a long-term strategy, yeah, and it needs a, um, a plan. It needs to link closely, more closely with business, and the careers and enterprise company are, are doing a good job on that at the minute. But it needs a long-term plan. So, yeah. so the creative enterprise company for me needs to be extended. We need to link businesses more closely with the schools because that's what we're, we're you know we're preparing for the world of work to be good citizens. Yeah. And nowadays, really, the way that, that, that this is taught in schools and, and what we're preparing for isn't for the purpose, really. Yeah, yeah.
0: Right. I I have to agree. There are some absolutely incredible uh, teachers and heads of school out there but the reality is they operate within the guardrails yeah. uh, of national curricula uh, etc so um, important work that you're doing there as an influencer in the space um, there's probably some some young people uh, watching this yeah it's okay. YouTube and it's a it's a podcast they may be thinking about what comes next after school or perhaps they're a little bit older and they're thinking about their first pivot with all of your experience. What advice would you give them? Um, give it a go. And just begin. Begin
1: at something. Do, do something. And you know, there's ne- never a better time than the present. You know, yeah. and no matter what, if you think you can't do something, you know, somebody told me. And loads of people told us we wouldn't get somebody like that, Lord Sugar be our ambassador. Um, loads of people told us that you know you've been bankrupt, you're not going to be able to start again. Um, but in truth, you can. You can't. It's into a cliche. You can't do anything. You know. I'm sat here with view from Google today, you know, my son will be really impressed that I'm doing, a, that doing a, uh, a YouTube video. The thing is, you can achieve absolutely anything if you put your mind to it. And, and, and don't be held back by background or circumstance because when, when all said and done, no one's bothered, it's only yourself really. You, 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 you've you got to be that change um, and, and, and just, just just be inspired, find something you're
0: passionate about. Well, oh, look, that, that's never happened before. Um, <laughs> this is, we're going to keep this in. I'm going to see if I can turn the lights back on just one sec. Oh, yeah. Very spooky there. Yeah. I think that was the signal to That's say shut you know. up, man. No, not at all. I'm going to keep that in. That's, uh, no, no, this, is the, this is the real life, raw YouTube well, yeah, podcast. So, so, so. For those who are listening, by the way, the lights just went out in the room, so, so we're momentarily in darkness. But, um, you know, so I, I heard, uh, heard a saying once, um, if you think you can, you're right. If you think you can't, you're also right. Yeah, correct. Right, which uh, is essentially what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, it is. You know, within, I've seen a lot of
1: speakers down the, down the down the years, but probably one of the best ones I've seen is a guy called David Heiner and he talks about uh, being a rhino.
0: Being a rhino? Yeah,
1: and, just, and he just talks about, go, be, you know, go rhino. And that's his kind of, his mantra. And, 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 and you know, famous quote he said at our finals once was, you know, don't let anybody... Determine white as is you're capable of achieving, you decide, and that was, that was his, his quote. The, and it's so true at the end of the day, nobody else can tell it, it's got to be from you.
0: What a what a, what a wonderful note! So, to, shout, uh, shout out to Admiral uh, David Hahn, is a good shout guy. Shout out to David, what a wonderful note to end on. I'm going to put your links below, so if you're a school or a head who's interested in becoming involved, uh, the links are below, both uh, as a podcast and as a YouTube video. Ben. Your story's inspirational, um, you. I think you're an inspiration, you're a real role model uh, for, for what's possible with a bit of determination and okay, grit. Really appreciate you joining me, thanks. And thank